We're so glad that you are checking out this sermon from New Beginnings. Our vision as a church is to become an authentic biblical community that transforms our city and impacts the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We do this through gathering in worship, growing through community, giving to the kingdom, and going on mission. We know that one of the greatest blessings of the church is getting to pursue this vision that God has given us together. My hope is that we would get the opportunity to connect with you in person and get you plugged into the life of our church. Also, if you have been blessed by the ministries of New Beginnings, we ask that you would consider supporting us financially. You can do so by clicking on the giving tab of our website, nvbctx.org. I pray that you are both encouraged and challenged by the scripture today. We are launching in to our brand new sermon series called Next Gen. Next Gen. And in this series, what we're looking at is what it truly means to invest what matters into the next generation. And over the next uh, five weeks, what I believe we're going to discover is that this mandate to invest in the next generation is the call of every believer. So if you're here this morning and you think, well, I don't have kids yet, or you may be at a place where your kids are grown and gone, and you're thinking, well, then this isn't going to be for me. It is absolutely for you because it is the call of every believer to invest the truth and the treasures of God into the next generation. Amen? And that's what we're going to be looking at. Matter of fact, Jesus began, I think this is the heart of the Great Commission. In Matthew 28, when Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Well, guess where all the world begins? It begins in our homes. That's where it begins. And so um, that's kind of the heartbeat behind this next gen series. Um, in Psalm 145, this is a verse that we'll reference kind of throughout um, this series. Uh, 145, we see this idea of teaching God's faithfulness and passing on uh, the story of God to the next generation. We see it made very clear. This is uh, the last Psalm of David in the book of Psalms, and we believe he wrote this toward the end of his life. And I want you to see what he said in Psalm 145 and in verse 4. He said this, one generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. There's two key words here, and that is commend and declare. And that word commend doesn't simply mean to tell. The original Hebrew of that word meant to praise or applaud or boast in those works. So we can say that verse by saying one generation shall applaud your works to another, shall praise your works to another, shall boast of your works to another. The picture David is painting is this. One generation will treasure your works in such a way that the next generation cannot help but treasure them as well. That is the heartbeat of next gen. And that's what we've been called to do so that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you have made Jesus the Lord of your life and, and he is your Lord and Savior and you are his child and you've experienced the radical redemption from sin and you've experienced forgiveness and being moved from death to life, then you should treasure Jesus in such a way that your children treasure him as well. And that's what we're pointing at through this series. And listen, we're going to pass things on to our children. That is a universal reality. We're going to pass things on 
to our children. And here's what I'm discovering is this. We will transmit what we treasure. Think about this. We will transmit what we treasure. What do I mean by that? I mean, we're going to pass things on to our children simply by making those things. The things that matter to us are the things that are getting passed on. Here, I'll, I'll prove it to you. You see if I'm right or wrong here. I know that in this room right now, I've seen them all morning. Um, I know that in this room right now, there are children and students who have never one time in their life been to College Station, and yet they cheer for the A&M Aggies. I know that that's true. I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying it's true, okay? I know that right now there are, there are families raising their homes in the admonition and fear of the Lord, and their children cheer for the University of Texas Longhorns, hook em horns. I know that that's happening as well, right? And then what I'm going to say next, you're going to find hard to believe, but it's true. There are actually parents passing on a love for the University of Arkansas Razorbacks. Can you even believe that such a thing would exist? But it's real. It's happening. And it's happening right here among us. Here's the point. Our children don't know anything about these sports teams or anything about these schools. And yet, why do they cheer for them? Why do they wear the shirt? Why do they wear the jersey? Because we've transmitted something that we treasure, right? And so... That's a universal reality. I'll tell you how I've seen this play out in our family. Um, I grew up in a very musical home, and so my mother played the piano. We sang a lot, which means music was a very important thing to me. And so when I got into high school, I sang in some colleges. My wife sang competitively in colleges going through high school. I got to college and I sang in more colleges, uh, more choirs. And then I got to seminary and I sang in some very serious choirs. I'll never forget the first time that um, I was singing with a choir of about 200 people, and we were in Bass Hall in downtown Fort Worth, which is this beautiful concert hall, and we were singing Handel's Messiah. And down below us was the Fort Worth Symphony Orchestra. And when we got to the Hallelujah Chorus and Worthy is the Lamb, which is the last piece in Handel's Messiah, I remember being overwhelmed because I thought, my voice is being a part of something so beautiful, so powerful, and so glorious. And it's where I'm creating something that I could never create on my own. And that's how I've always felt about choirs. Well, guess what? My daughter, who is in college, sings in choirs. My sons are com compete in uh, uh, being in choirs on the state level. And what, what's happened? We've transmitted something that we treasure to our children. How else would you explain that my 15-year-olds pretty much know every word to live in on the prayer, and yet, and yet they couldn't pick Bon Jovi out of a lineup, but they know every word to that song? How, how, listen, I, I, don't, I can just tell you, they may not know much, but they know Tommy used to work on the dock, okay? They know the union went on strike, and now he's down on his luck. It's tough, guys. <laughs> Gina works the diner all day. I mean, it's a bad deal. They know the story. <laughs> of that song, and they couldn't pick Bon Jovi out of a lot of why? Because I have transmitted something that I treasure. And, and here is the thing that I feel like God has spoken to my heart this week. See, some of you were gifted athletes in school, and that's transmitted to your children. Some of you are brilliant business people, and you're transmitting that to your children. And here's what the Lord God is speaking to my heart, that God help us, God help us if we transmit a valuing of athletic achievement above spiritual maturity. 
God help us if we transmit a value of popularity or power or possessions or positions over intimacy with Jesus. God help me if I transmit to my children a love for creativity and fine arts, but I fail to help them fall in love with the creator of all things. God help us. Jesus said, you need to pass on what matters most, and what matters most is making disciples. Here's the point. If we're going to transmit what we treasure, then we better treasure what matters. Amen? Amen. If I'm going to pass on what I treasure in my heart, then I better treasure what matters most. And Jesus taught us what that was. In his great commission, in the last few words he said to us before he went to be with the Father, he said, I want you to go and make disciples. That is our highest calling, and it begins in our children, and it begins in our home. And so with that in mind, I want you to grab your Bible and go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 1. Throughout the Next Gen series over these five weeks, we will spend the majority of our time in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And um, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy is a book that was written by Moses, and it literally means the second law, which is to say this is the second telling of the law of God. Moses is about 120 years old at this time, and uh, he is, the people of God have left Egypt. They have wandered in the desert now for these 40 years, and they're about to enter the promised land. And, and here's what's interesting. That generation that left Egypt is now dead and gone. Because of their disobedience, their bones are bleaching in the desert. And the people that Moses is talking to, these people, this generation, this new generation that's about to inherit the promised land, they were either uh, born while in the desert or they were babies when they left Egypt. This is a brand new generation about to inherit this promised land. And this new generation needs to hear the law again which is why we have a Deuteronomy. The word deuteros literally means second, and neonam, which means law. So you have Deuteronomy, the second law. It's a recap. It's a reminder of the laws of God that God spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai. So Moses is about to tell again to this new generation what he said to their parents at Mount Sinai. That's what, he, that's what Deuteronomy is. Now, why would he take the time to do this? Here's why. Because every generation needs to hear the story of God, and they need to hear it from the generation that came before them. Every generation needs to hear the story of God, and they need to hear it from the generation that came before them. That's what we see in Deuteronomy 6. We see this first generation transmitting the truth of God to the next generation generation. So let's read Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land, this is Moses speaking, do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God. But by the way, this, this is a separate sermon, but when you see fear the Lord, 
When you read in the Proverbs and it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge and and you are to fear the Lord. When you see that, I just want you to know that has nothing to do with worry and everything to do with worship. That has nothing to do with anxiety and everything to do with adoration. So when you see that, don't think fear like I'm afraid. Think fear like I love and I want to lavish that love on him. He says, verse 2, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and all his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, and that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Let's pray. Lord, I am praying that this morning you would ignite in us a heart for the next generation. God, that as, as, we, as we navigate through your word this morning, that you would begin to illuminate for us the truth, the, 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 the absolute priority and mandate to pass your story on. And God, the truth of how to do that, the determination, the discipline, God, to pass that story on. I am praying, Father, that you would illuminate your word, that it would just shine, your truth would shine for us today. And God, I pray you would protect your church from anything that originated in my mind and that you would simply speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So what we see in Deuteronomy 6, we see God through Moses, he's commanding his people to pass their faith on to the next generation. As a matter of fact, God told them that their longevity in the land depended upon it. Their longevity in the land depended upon it. He said that as they were faithful to keep and teach his command, their days would be long, it would go well with them, and they would multiply greatly. In other words, God said, if you do this, you will flourish. You will thrive. And and listen, the the same is true for us. The flourishing of the church and the prospering of the gospel are directly related to our obedience to the Great Commission, to make disciples. And this begins in our children. It begins in our home, which means this. Mom, dad, aunts, uncles, grandparents, we have the mandate to evangelize our children, to disciple our children, to see this glorious gospel that has changed our lives passed on to them to change their lives. So the question is, how do we do this? How, how do we pass on the things of God? How do we transmit the treasures of God and of the gospel? How do we commend, applaud, praise, boast in? How do we commend the mighty works of God to the next generation? Those are the questions that I hope we answer this morning. So I want to begin by giving you three what I think are practical steps that we can take to begin to transmit the treasures of God from one generation to the next. Here's the first one. We need to establish a biblical worldview for our homes. We need to establish a biblical worldview for our homes. Look again at verse 1 and 2. Moses said, Now, this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules 
that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, and that you may fear the Lord, you and your son and your son's sons, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I commanded you. Moses is saying these things that God has taught us, his statutes and rules, his commandments, these things must be taught to the next generation. And listen, this was something that did not get farmed out. This was not farmed out. When Moses is telling this to the people of Israel, they understood full well the responsibility of this fell on the parents of these children. When he says, I, you need to do these so that your sons will do this and your grandsons will do this, that responsibility wasn't farmed out to the rabbi. That landed squarely on the parents to transmit this knowledge and these teachings of God, which means what? This begins not at the church house, but at your house. That's where it begins. It doesn't begin here. It begins at your house. Why would that be true? I, I think God has given a unique access. Parents have a unique access to their child's heart that their pastor doesn't have, that their ministers don't have, their small group leaders don't have, believe it or not, not even their friends have. For better or for worse, parents have a unique access to their children's heart. How many of you just in your own upbringing can acknowledge, yeah, for better or for worse, my parents had a unique access. My parents still have that. I'm a 43-year-old man and my parents still have a unique access to my heart. And with that access, we must teach them a biblical worldview. Why? Why do we teach our children this biblical worldview? I want to give you three reasons. Here's the first one. Because God commanded it. God commanded it. Moses said, these are the things that God commanded me to teach you and for you to teach your sons and grandsons. And listen, this command to pass on the things of God to the next generation, uh, uh, it, that is a cover-to-cover -cover biblical mandate. It's a cover-to-cover -cover biblical mandate. Proverbs 22.6, you guys know this verse. It says, train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Psalm 78, verse 4, speaking of the things of God, the psalmist says, we will not hide them from our children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord. And then in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul is writing to the church and he says this in verse 4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. God has commanded us to teach our children a biblical worldview. The first reason we do it is because God commanded it. Why did he command it? Here's the second reason, because they're not born with it. They are not born with it. Pastor Matt, you don't know my babies. You don't know my children. My children are precious, and they don't struggle. And, well, give them a few minutes, okay? Here's what I would tell you. Your children are not born with a biblical worldview. We are not born 
our children, our students, us. We're not born knowing God or knowing how to treasure God. We're not born knowing how to value God's word or the blessing of obedience or the joy of loving him and loving others. We're not born with these things any more than we are born knowing how to speak a language, write our name, or ride a bike. All of those things had to be taught to me. But we, God's Word does tell us how we're born. David said in Psalm 51, I was brought forth, I entered this world in iniquity. In Romans chapter 5, what we see throughout the, the whole chapter is the teaching that because Adam sinned, all men sin. We are born in that sin condition. So if we're not born with a biblical worldview, but we are born in sin, then something must intersect our lives to teach us that Biblical worldview, and that's us. That's one generation passing it on to the next. Why do we teach the world biblical worldview? Because God commanded it, because they're not born with it. But listen, this is critical, because they are learning someone's version of it. This is one of the scariest things for me as a parent. And this is critical that we understand this. Grandparents, this is critical that you understand this. There are no neutral parties in your child's life. No neutral parties in your child's life. Every day, every single day, non-stop, 24-7, our children are being pressed and they are being pushed into accepting a worldview that is not biblical every day. Every day. Through social media, like Twitter or Instagram or Snapchat or apps like TikTok, through television, through cultural influencers, and through the normalizing of sinful lifestyles, they are being taught a worldview. Listen, I'm not trying to say those things are bad things. What I'm trying to say is that they have access to your child's heart and mind and they are teaching them something. That's what I'm saying. And it is imperative that you don't navigate this life with blinders on, believing that somehow your child will magically avoid the sinful influence. They're not going to. Those things have access to our children's hearts and our children's minds. But I hear parents say things like this. Well, listen, I just don't want to push anything on my kids. I don't want to pressure them into believing something. Can I tell you something? You're the only person in your child's life that feels that way. <laughs> You're the only one that feels that way. Well, I, I want them to, to kind of discover this for themselves. You're the only one. There are no neutral parties in your children's life. Moses gave this command. He taught the priority of God and the value of obedience to the next generation because this generation was about to enter into a land, yes, that was flowing with milk and honey, and yes, that was filled with people who did not know God. That's your child's world every day. That's their world. How would I describe the world of our children? I would describe it as filled with opulence and filled with people who do not know God. That's where I send my children every single day. That's where they go. So listen, listen. We can either get in the fight with them 
and give them the worldview and the tools that they need to wade through the nonsense of this world, or we can take a step back, play neutral, and just hope they figure it out. God help us. God help us. If we pin our children's eternal destination on, I hope they figure it out. God help me if I do that. We have to give them a biblical worldview. God commanded it. They are not born with it. But church, they're learning somebody's version of it. So we need to give them the one that matters most. So the question is then, how do we do that? How do we build a biblical worldview for our children? I think there's two steps. And the first step is this. You tell them God's story. You tell them God's story. We must tell our children the story of God. We must tell them of the God in these pages. By the way, where is God's story? It is here. You will not discover anything that God wanted you to know about him outside of these pages. And if you learn something about God that doesn't agree with these pages, that thing is a lie. Everything God wanted to tell us is in these pages. So if you want to tell them the story of God, you have to teach them how to treasure God's word. I want my children to know the creator of all things who made everything out of nothing. I want them to know the deliverer who went and redeemed a nation out of Egypt and set them free from slavery. I want them to know about the righteous king and the righteous judge. I want them to know that our God is the kinsman redeemer, that God is the promise maker and the promise keeper. That's what I want them to know. I want them to, I want them to know the beauty in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want them to know that Jesus is the eternal word of God, that he is the good shepherd. He is the living water. He is the bread of life. He is the resurrection. He is the way and the truth and the life. And I want to teach them the joy that I have and the joy that their mother has because we belong to him. I want them to know I am supremely satisfied in Jesus because if they see me satisfied in Jesus, they will realize they don't need what the world offers to be satisfied. Jesus is it. But listen, if you don't live your life satisfied in him, it is wishful thinking to believe that your children will live their lives satisfied in him. So how do we begin to build this worldview? We tell them the story of God, and that is found in God's Word. So we have to transmit a right view and treasuring of God's Word. It's why Colossians 3.16 says, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. That is what Moses is doing here. He says, I'm going to teach you again God's law so that you can teach it to your sons and your grandsons. So we have to tell them God's story. Here's the second thing. How do we give them that biblical worldview? Tell them your story. Tell them your story. Very few things will be as powerful in the life of your child as the story of God's faithfulness to you. Very few things will do that. What do I mean? I mean, your children should know how you came to faith in Jesus Christ. 
They should know, it should not be a mystery to your children how you came to faith in Jesus. They should know that. Your children should know how God has been faithful to your family. Everyone in this room can probably pinpoint a moment where God did something unbelievable for your family. Your children should know about that thing. You should tell them your story. You know, I, last year, Carrie and I took our kids. We went to my, uh, my mom's house um, and my mom was there, and my sister was there with her daughter, and we sat around in my mom's uh, living room, and for the first time, just listened to my mom tell her story. And she talked about how she was raised, and she talked about how she came to faith in Jesus Christ, and how Jesus has moved and worked in her life, all of her life, and she taught that to us, and she told that to our grandchildren. And it, it was impactful and it mattered. Why? Because we need to tell our children our story. So we need to build this biblical world view and we do that by telling them the story of God and how the story of God has changed our story. That's the first thing. Here's the second thing. We need to embrace a multi-generational view of parenting. Embrace a multi-generational view of parenting. Look again at what Moses said in verse 2. He said, I want you to remember these things that you may fear the Lord, your God, your son and your son's son. Your son and your son's sons. Moses says you are to do this for your son and your grandson. There's a multi-generational view here. Moses is saying you got to see further down the line than the children at your home. She says, I want you to see with multi-generation what God can do if you will walk in obedience to this. And we have that same call. We have that same call. So how do we do this? Ready? We parent with our grandchildren in mind. Now think about that for just a moment. Think about what that means, to parent with your grandchildren in mind. It means that I am making investments today that will influence and bless my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren. You know, I grew up out in the woods in Cason, and uh, we lived about a quarter mile off of a blacktop road that most humans don't even know exist. And um, uh, every day, every single day, without fail, my mother walked that little quarter mile driveway back and forth to the house. She'd just go out and get exercise. And every single day, all of my life, she would do that. And as she did that, she prayed for her children. She prayed. We were still living at home. We were still children ourselves. And every day, she would walk that quarter mile and pray for us. But you know what else she did? Every day, she prayed for my spouse. Every day, my mother prayed for the wife that I would one day meet who we didn't even know existed. Do you know what else she did every day? She prayed for her grandchildren that weren't even in existence yet. Every day. Why? She was parenting with a, with a multi-generational view in mind. She was parenting with her grandchildren in mind. So how do we, how do we get our mind to be fixed to do that? How do we parent our children today with our grandchildren in mind? I think we have to understand something, and that is this, that my child is far more than just my child. My child is far more than just my child. 
Every child, every student, every son and daughter is a potential believer in Jesus Christ. Every single one of them. They and their children and their children's children. Which means this, that whatever children stand beside us in glory and spend eternity with us with Christ Jesus will not stand beside us because they were our children. They will stand beside us because we shined the light of the gospel of Christ before them and they became our brothers and sisters. Your children will not join you in glory because they were your children. If they don't transition from your child to your brother and sister, you will spend eternity apart. We have to parent with a multi-generational view in mind. I want my children, I want my grandchildren to join me as heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ Jesus. Our youngest son, his name is Clayton. And Clayton is named after his great maternal grandfather. It's a man named Clayton Turner. And Clayton Turner died as a fairly young man. He died when my mother-in-law, Carrie's mom, was 11 years old. He died from leukemia. But before he died, Clayton Turner became a believer in Jesus Christ. And he was the first in his family to come to faith in Jesus and as a result of his heart being changed, his wife, Wanda, came to faith in Jesus Christ. And as a result of this mom and dad who have now found a faith in Jesus Christ, their children became believers. My wife's mother became a believer in Jesus Christ. And because that was handed down to that generation, my uh, mother-in-law, their children became believers in Jesus Christ. Carrie became a believer in Jesus Christ. And because Carrie and I are believers in Jesus Christ, all of our children have come to faith in Jesus Christ. Why does that matter? I want to backtrack. I want my son to know his name means something because he can backtrack four generations and see the man whose life was changed. And now it's made all the difference. That's, that's, parenting with a multi-generational view in mind. That's what God has called us to do. So this generational treasuring of Jesus, it, it's true on both sides of, of, of our family. And that is why as parents and grandparents, we need to build this biblical worldview into our children so that it can be given to our grandchildren and to our great-grandchildren so that we can give them this grand vision of God and His glory and to illuminate His purpose in their lives. Some of you need to hand this to your children because you need for your children to be the generation that breaks the generational sin that has plagued your family for as far back as you can look. Some of you need your grandchildren to be the generation that change the direction of your family and break the chains of generational sin. How are you going to do that? You're going to teach them a biblical worldview. You are going to parent with your grandchildren in mind. You're going to tell them the story of God, and you're going to tell them your story. And by God's grace, we will love them enough to give them something better than just earthly success. Some of us do an incredible job at 
positioning our family to be stable financially for years to come. And that's a good thing. Some of us do an incredible job of passing on our knowledge of business or, or, or our, something we've learned really well and have been able to build a career. And we do a great job at passing that on to our children. And that's awesome. And it is a good thing. And here's how Jesus responded to that. What does it profit that child if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? If I've taught my children how to succeed in business and I have failed to teach them how to walk with Jesus, then I haven't loved them well. I haven't loved them enough to give them what matters most. This is what Moses is telling us and it is what the Lord God is telling us. This next gen, we've got to get our eyes off of what's right in front of me today and we've got to start looking at the next generation and the one that comes after that because they will be the kingdom builders. When we are long gone, my sons and daughter will have sons and daughters and by God's grace, they will build the kingdom of God. But I got a parent today with that day in mind. We're going to transmit what we treasure, right? So we might as well treasure what matters most. You're all right, Pastor Matt, that all sounds amazing, but I got to be honest, I don't know that I'm doing very good at that. Well, good. You're in the right room because neither do I. It's been a hard week in studying and praying and reading. I'm telling you, the Lord has convicted, convicted me this week. And we want you to know we see ourselves as a partner with you on your way in. You received this resource. It looks like this. It just says Next Gen on it. This is a fantastic resource that we have made for you. Every week for these five weeks, you'll be able to follow along. There's a place for sermon notes, which I'm sure you have already filled up. I'm so proud of you. And there's a place for sermon notes. And uh, some of you are just drawing your doodling right there, okay? I know what you're doing. And so there's a place for sermon notes as you go through. There is a week-to-week guide for daily devotions that you can read each week and scriptures that you can have um, to be a part of growing in your understanding and making this a priority. What's the point of that? We want to partner with you in parenting with a multi-generational view and in helping build a biblical worldview into your home. So if you didn't get this when you came in, please be sure you get one before you leave. Here's the third thing I think we need to do to pass this faith on from generation to generation, and it is this. We need to engage in the life and mission of the covenant community. We need to engage in the life and mission of the covenant community. Look at what Moses said in verse 3 of chapter 6. He says, Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them that it may go well with you and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in the land flowing with milk and honey. We can't lose sight of the fact that Moses is talking to the nation of Israel, right? He is talking to the entire covenant community people of God, which is to say that the people of Israel were not meant to do this in isolation. They weren't meant to do this in isolation. Now, earlier I said this begins in the home, and that is absolutely true. I think for far too long, we have farmed out the discipleship of our children to the paid professionals. That is not the way it worked here. The church Listen, believer, the church is not a replacement 
It is reinforcement. Are you with me? The church is reinforcement. It is not a replacement. This place cannot be the only place your children hear the name of Jesus. This place cannot be the only place your children crack a Bible open. This cannot be the only place where they celebrate the goodness of God. That needs to be happening so in your home so that we can reinforce that, not replace it. We don't do this in isolation. And when Moses told this to this new generation to be careful to follow these commands, he said, Hear, O Israel, hear, nation, listen to me, covenant community. That's what he was saying. He wasn't talking about individual families. Well, that's what we are. We are a covenant community. We are covenant people of God. It's why we refer to membership not as church members, but as covenant members. There is a covenant family that we are a part of, which means what? This is not a you thing. This is an us and we thing. This is something we do together. The home primary, the church secondary, both absolutely critical and necessary to the spiritual development of our children. So that, listen, so that as our children are learning in our homes how to treasure God's word, they come and they share their lives at church with children who are also learning in their homes how to treasure God's Word. And then they do that thing together. So that as our children in our homes are taught the value and the priority of serving and loving others, they come to church and they begin to share their lives with other children and other students who are being taught in their homes the value of serving God and loving others well. I think this is why this next gen series and campaign is so incredibly important. It is why we are diligently praying and seeking God on how we can invest in the next generation. Because I want to see them walking with Christ. I want to see them making an eternal difference for the kingdom. I want them to know that their parents are supremely satisfied in the person and work of Jesus. So as we begin to think through this opportunity that God has put in front of us to, to invest what matters in the next generation, I want you to hear from our lead pastor, Pastor Todd Connitz. Why don't you turn your attention to the screen for just a moment. Good morning, church. As Pastor Matt has shared with you, there's some exciting things happening uh, here at New Beginnings. Uh, we are about to embark on the Next Gen campaign, which is going to include uh, three primary construction projects that we want to inform you about. Uh, the, the first two are going to happen here in our Longview campus. We're going to convert our old worship center, uh, which is about 12,000 square feet, into uh, our junior high space so that we can continue to grow and reach more junior high students all over Longview. Uh, included in this space are going to be uh, an area for our kids to hang out and, and, and a small group space for them to, to have life group on Sunday morning. But also, there's going to be a room that's going to seat about 300 people for worship. And that is going to accommodate uh, both of our campuses coming together occasionally for special events so they can worship as, as one church that normally meets in two locations. Uh, so we're excited about this facility. The, the other facility we're going to be renovating is our Old Edge building. It's uh, located at the north side of our Longview campus, and uh, it's going to be renovated for our high school ministry. Uh, again, we are going to uh, convert that space in, into a, a newly renovated area with um, you know, great hangout space and small group space for our high school students, smaller worship area, 
uh, for them. In addition to the renovation of these buildings, there's also going to be some really neat outdoor facilities for hangout uh, for our student ministry. Outside our junior high building, there's going to be a full court basketball area for our students to enjoy. Outside our high school building, there's going to be a sand volleyball court and uh, fire pits there uh, for our students to come together, both Gilmer and Longview together. Uh, to hang out and to reach their friends uh, for Jesus. And so we're excited about what we're going to be doing here uh, on our Longview campus, but that's not all we're doing. In addition to these projects, we are going to be adding 3,600 square feet to your facilities there in Gilman. Uh, this new area will include space for our student ministry, uh, three adult life group rooms, and three rooms for our children's ministry. And this will enable uh, not only our children's ministry to grow, but also for our preschool ministry to inherit some of our current classrooms. God is doing some amazing things there in Gilmer, and I'm excited to see what he's doing through you. The church family, I'm going to ask you to, to do me a favor. Let's, let's begin to pray now. Let's pray for God's provision. These projects are going to cost us about $1.7 million, and we're asking every single one of you to get involved. We're asking you to give generously, sacrificially, and be a part of what God's doing, not just in your presence here, but in giving of gifts toward this project. I believe the, the best is yet to come for both our Longview and our Gilmer campus. And we want you to be a part of it. God is using us in an incredible way to reach East Texas. And we believe that NextGen is not only going to allow us to continue to reach more people, but specifically, we're gonna be able to make a significant investment in the next generation. Seeing boys and girls of all ages come to faith in Christ, grow up in Him, and then be sent out as leaders who change the world. That should be something we can get excited about being a part of. Amen. God is doing unbelievable things and he has positioned us to begin to consider how are we going to invest in the next generation. On the chair back in front of you, there's a card that looks like this. I want every adult in the room to grab one. Every adult in the room to grab one. If you don't have one, Ben Lofton is standing at the back of the room. He'll bring you on right now. I don't want you to do anything with this. I don't want you to write a number on it. I simply want you to take this and I want you to begin to pray and ask God, God, what are you asking us to do to invest in the next generation? We've talked a lot about how we're going to pass this on, how we're going to transmit this to our sons and our daughters. But I want you to hear me say a couple of things. The first is this. You cannot pass on a faith you do not possess. You cannot pass on a faith you do not possess. What do I mean by that? You cannot teach your children how to be saved and how to walk in salvation if you are not a believer in Jesus Christ. If you haven't had that moment where you put your faith in Him and He has moved you from death to life, you cannot pass on to your children how to move from death to life. You cannot pass on a faith you do not possess. So this morning, if you are here and your confession would be, I've... I've just never made Jesus the Lord of my life. I've never put my faith in him. Then you can do that today. You can maybe, maybe you would be the first one in your family to put your faith in Christ and see the generation shift on that decision. Here's the second thing. You, you cannot transmit a faith you do not treasure. You cannot transmit a faith you do not treasure. What do I mean by that? If you aren't walking with Jesus Christ, 
in obedience. If you aren't walking as a disciple of Jesus Christ, if you aren't growing in the grace and knowledge and treasuring Him as His sons and daughters, how would you ever teach your children to treasure Him? So maybe this morning, you need to come and give your heart to Jesus Christ. Maybe this morning, you need to confess that I haven't been walking with Him, but I need to because I I need for my children to know how to walk with Jesus. Right? The person who taught me how to ride a bike knew how to ride a bike. (laughs) They, They knew how to stand up, feet on the pedals, look straight ahead, here's what you do when you fall. Oh, they knew how to ride a bike. If you want your children to walk with Jesus, then you better be walking with Jesus. So maybe this morning is just a time of confession for you where you just come and and put this before the Lord and say, Lord, I have not been faithful in this area, but I need to be ready to teach my children how to treasure you. And so I want to treasure you. So we're going to pray and we're going to worship. Zach and the team are going to lead us. And as they do that, my invitation is this. Just respond to what God is doing. So if you just want to come and pray and kneel, you come and pray and kneel. If you want to speak to us, you come and speak to us. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and we are so very thankful, Lord God, that you have saved us, that through your story, you have given us a story of salvation. And so, Lord, I pray that over these next few moments as we worship, first, Lord God, that you would be honored and that you would be lifted up. And, Father, that we would step out and walk in obedience. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, let's stand. Let's worship. I hope that you have enjoyed this message. If you have any questions about anything that you have heard today or would like to know more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, feel free to call our church offices at 903-759-5552 or send us an email at info at nbbctx.org. As for staying up to date with what's going on at New Beginnings, follow us on our social media accounts. Have a great rest of your day.